Good morning. How you doing? Amen. What a joy to be here. My name is Joshua Gilmore, as he said. I work at North Greenville University, greatest university on the planet. And I have the unique privilege this morning that very few people on the planet can ever share this. But I once was a roommate with Robbie Foreman. Okay, that, that actually happened. Um, so very few people get to say that. And uh, we played guitar together. We shared stories together. I don't ever remember studying together. But, uh, but it was a great time. We had a wonderful time. Um, would you guys like to see a picture of me and Robbie when we were kids? Did you guys like to see this? Let's, let's see. Yeah! Look at that, man. That's what I'm talking about. You can see all the, the debris at the top, you know? So that was my side, not Robbie's side. He's always very neat. All right, guys, turn with me to uh, Acts 9. No, we have another one? Oh, I'm sorry. Acts 9, 10 through 20. Acts 9, 10 through 20. This series is entitled 276, and I thought this was pretty provocative. I, I like this. I like the sermon title. I like the subject matter. 276 times in Scripture is our God called Father. If lessons are learned just through repetition, that's pretty significant. Uh, Jesus' number one title in the New Testament was Teacher, 91 times. 276 times God is called Father. This is just amazing. So, I'm excited to get involved in this. I know Robbie set it up really great last week. Uh, but Robbie asked me to speak on something very specific that fathers do, especially our God, our Heavenly Father, and how God the Father calls His people. So I want to speak about calling. And this text that we're going to read here in just a moment illustrates that wonderfully. So Acts 9, 10 through 20. You ready? You ready? You ready? Okay. Get excited. We're about to read God's word. Amen? It's living. It's active. It's the breath of God. God is speaking today. Right here as we're reading his word. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him. In a vision, Ananias. Yes, the Lord, he answered. The Lord told me, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to, his, to God's holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on his name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings, and the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming, he sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And at once, he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus 
is the Son of God. Isn't that a good story? Man, what an awesome story. So there's three reasons why I picked this text. I mean, obviously, if you're teaching about how God the Father calls his children, I could have used a lot of texts. Why this particular text? Why this text for this congregation? I'm going to give you three reasons, okay? The first thing is these callings are really unmistakable. I think anybody could kind of pick up two visions, you know, uh, Ananias gets one, Paul gets one. There's this double vision thing happening. It's unmistakable. The second thing is you have two very different characters, just like in this room. I imagine we have very different characters. Look over at your neighbor and say, you're different, okay? Yeah, I mean, you're different, all right? So that's all right. We have different characters in this story. We have different characters in this room. And the third and final reason is everybody loves a good story. Okay, everybody loves a good story. And so while this text does not explicitly teach the calling of God, it illustrates it wonderfully. It illustrates it. So you'll kind of catch it. Does that make sense? Point number one, if you've got your insert, you can follow along for all those note takers. That's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. First point, and I have, I, have, I know this, the paper has six points. I kind of have six and a half. Can you give me another half? Yeah? Good. Praise the Lord, because you're going to get it anyway. It's all right. All right, so... The first point is God the Father calls his children. Facts. Ephesians 4 says, live a life. I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you might have received. Nope, that's not what it says. Ephesians 4 says, I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. One of the things we have to face in this text, and one of the things we have to face as Christians, is we are not sort of called, we're called. And actually, I think that that holds more accountability because we kind of want a special category of like, I want to be the slip through the cracks Christian. The unnoticed Christian. I don't want to be the called Christian, but that's in fact what the scripture teaches. Together, church. You are called as a body of believers. But you're also called individually. Fathers call their children. That's just a fact. We have to face it. So look in verse 10. If you're just looking in our text, it says, In Damascus, there's a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him. Look in verse 12, referring to Paul. The Bible says, In a vision, he, Paul, seen a man named Ananias, and he came and placed hands to restore sight. They're getting calls. God calls the, uh, the Ananias of Damascus. God calls the Saul of Tarsus. Does anybody here have children? If you have children, I know we had the two-minute break, but if you have children, just raise your hand real, real quickly. Okay, man, great. And if, you're, if you don't have children, one, at one point in your life you were a child. Does that make sense? Which means you have these things. Would you guys like to see my kiddos real quick? I got three girls. Yeah, there they are. So this is a... Olivia is my teenager, she's 13, Adelaide and Nora, and then my wife, the beautiful redhead there. So those are my children, right? So I live every day as a dad. I'll come home after work, and every day as a father, I call my children. Is that making sense? Now, the way I call my children, it varies. For instance, to my Olivia, my firstborn, she really prefers the direct approach. She really likes me to write stuff down, to text her. It is written. Do you get that kind of child? And anybody who's a parent, you guys get that kind of child? They like clarity. I give you 
the Bible. It is written. Facts. Makes me tremble just to think about it. We have a God, man. He wants us to know him. He cares so much about it. He's explicit in his relationship with us. It's right here. I have another child named Adelaide. You guys know that child? Okay, that's my middle daughter. She likes a lot of margin in her life. You guys know what I'm talking about? She likes a lot of freedom. She doesn't like a lot of things. And so the way I kind of parent her is I'm like, she'll figure it out. You know, she'll figure it out. I just kind of create safe spaces, safe enough where she doesn't know. So she can kind of maneuver around and think that she's not under supervision. But really, as the father, I'm calling just kind of loosely. And I've got my, my middle one. Sorry, my, my littlest one, my Nora. And she likes the messenger approach. She doesn't like to hear it explicitly from me, but if I kind of work the side angle, I'm like, hey, can you come over here, neighborhood kid? Can you run over here? See that little one? Yeah. I want you to go over here and tell her she needs to come home right now. And you need to tell her not to leave her bicycle in the front yard of the neighborhood because it just looks terrible. Can you do that for me? Yeah. And they run out, and they report the message that the father sent. Are you guys getting the message already? Point number two is this. How God the Father calls his children varies. Guys, we've got to stop getting hung up on one approach. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and now I'm kind of Baptocostal. I don't know what to call myself anymore. Um, Grew up in a Pentecostal church, and then I went to a Baptist school, and I'm just here today, okay? Okay. and so what I've learned in like the Pentecostal church, like everybody wanted this supernatural calling. You know what I mean? Like everybody wanted this like burning bush. Everybody wanted your know, scales falling from the eyes. I mean, there were just crazy stuff. The crazier it was and the more intense the calling was on your life. When the reality is this book records most of the time just very ordinary callings. Now, this story is supernatural, and everybody catches that, and I love that, and I'm all for it, bring it on. But I'm saying the lion's share of this text is just God speaking, it is written. Messengers relaying that it is written. You know, is that making sense? So don't try to, like, think, man, greater than, less than in terms of calling. I don't think that way. I just think of obedient and disobedient. Did you do what I asked you to do? Did you surrender or did you not? Is that making sense? Um, so, point number two is how God calls varies. There's a very natural calling in this text. Just look now, again, just the seven, 17th verse, okay? Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with with the Spirit. This is the Apostle Paul getting a messenger. God just spoke to him through somebody else. Has God ever spoken to you through somebody else? Has that ever happened? Hmm. 
only all the time. 24-7. I mean, when I'm preaching right now, hopefully God is speaking through me, the preacher, through his holy word to you, God, this morning. God clarifies God's, Paul's calling through a messenger, a person. Notice the progression, and I won't go through all of this because time won't allow, but if you're reading the book of Acts and you just follow the progression, the first time the apostle Paul gets a calling, it's a direct encounter with the resurrected Lord on the road to Damascus. It is face-to-face. The second time God, gets a direct, God gives Paul a directive, it's through a vision, a supernatural vision. The third time he gets a message, it's just through a man. Are you guys seeing the progression? Hmm. This calling was pretty intense, but you see that things change as he is changing. And the trust levels are changing. God sometimes chooses ordinary men and ordinary means. Let me give you three ways that God speaks um, that, are, that are just something I want to put there. There's a sermon series I did called God Speak where I kind of went through the six ways that God speaks in Scripture. Uh, but I want to just point out three of these, okay? And this is kind of not in your notes, but I want you to jive with this for a little bit. The first way that God speaks, you can guarantee it, is he speaks through his word. The Bible says these words are refined by fire seven times. It says heaven and earth may pass away, but God's word will never fail. So if you want to hear from God and you say, I've just never had God speak to me like that, well, read God's word aloud and you'll hear him speak. It's real. I almost called you students because I work at a university. God help me. Together church. Together church. You're checking your social media every day and you're getting the updates. Are you getting the updates? Every single day. If you don't like to read like this quietly, then download an audio Bible today and have somebody else read it aloud. That's the way I do it. When I downloaded the Streetlights, it's really great. It's these rap artists, and they play it with music in the background. It's so good. It's called Streetlights. It's free. It's an audio Bible. You can hear from God right now. If you're in the valley of decision and you don't know God's will for your life, as people say that many times, read God's word. And he will speak to you. His words are living and active. These are the, this is the way the word of God is described. So the first way you can hear from God is the Bible. The second way we've already made mention is God speaks through godly people. I'm just looking at Proverbs 24, 6. This is the, the counsel of the wise, the godly. It says, for by wise guidance you can wage your war. In the abundance of counselors there is victory. Notice it says godly counselors or wise. So this is not like you just gra- gather a group of yes men to tell you what you want to hear. You find godly people and God speaks through counselors. This is the story of First and Second Samuel. He's like, is there a prophet? You know, like I mean, this is a story. He's like, yeah, there's one. We really don't like him. Yeah, he's the godly one who tells the truth. Get him on the honesty board. God speaks through godly counsel. And the third way is God speaks through the opening and closing of doors. And Acts 19, 9, back to our very text here, it says, this is just kind of just historically, he's recounting. It says, but when some became stubborn and continued in their unbelief, speaking evil of the way, talking about Christianity, before the congregation, we withdrew from them and took the disciples with them, reasoning daily in the... Hall of Tarsus, Tyrrhenius. So 
here's the deal. God spoke through a situation circumstances. They were stubborn. They weren't listening. And he goes, we're going to Tyranius. We're going somewhere else. God was speaking through situation and circumstance. God speaks through his word. God speaks through counselors. Together, church, God is speaking actually all the time. The question is, are we listening? Are we aware? Are we cognizant of the fact that there is a living God who the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord? And he that abides in them, though he fall, he shall not be cast down. Because the Lord upholds him with his hand. That's what the scripture says. That we got to live in the light of these truths. How God speaks to us varies. God speaks sometimes through prayer. God speaks through your constitution, your makeup, your design. Go figure, I'm a preacher, not a basketball player. God speaks through history and testimony. God does speak supernaturally through angels and visions. All, 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 those, all those ways of communicating are at God's disposal. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's God, right? Amen. And on and on we go. We are his children, and the Father has the right to communicate to his children how he sees fit. And what instrument he uses to communicate with one may not be the same instrument he has to use with another, just like you guys in raising your children. Can I get a hearty amen right there? Amen. Point number three. God the Father calls us to do hard things. Is it getting harder or easier to be a Christian these days? It's getting harder. Is it as hard as it was in the first century when we were being fed to lions? Nope. This is pretty still, still pretty much a cakewalk comparatively. But it's getting harder. If it one time was cool to be a cultural Christian, it is no longer cool to be a cultural Christian. Those days are gone. God calls his children to do hard things. So we need to maybe start praying those biblical prayers like, God, fill me with more confidence and more boldness instead of the Lord, give us traveling mercies. Make sure everything goes well. Hunky door, everything's fine. I just don't see that in Scripture. God, help us withstand. God, give us a backbone of steel. Help us be vigilant, not compromising. Those are the prayers of Acts. But there's three things I want to point out that made this particular calling hard in the story we're in. Number one, it's not normal. Number two, it's not logical. And number three, it's not safe. How normal is it for you to drop it on someone's house that you don't know to visit a guy that you don't know? That's just weird. That's what God called him to do. And by the way, once he gets there and prays, it says something like fish scales fell from his eyes. I've been doing ministry full time for right at about 17 years. No fish scales have ever fallen. That's just weird. By the way, the text actually there is actually dermal ridges, which is kind of funny. An alligator has those bumps on the back. You know what I'm talking about? Those are called dermal ridges. I'm a nerd. But you guys have alligators here, so you probably do know what I'm talking about. Those little bumpies on the back. It says like those dermal ridges fell from his eyes. Those bumpies. Those... Just weird. 
And it's also weird here. It says like, I mean, literally God is pinpointing the calling. It's like he literally drops the GPS coordinates for where this guy's going to be. I hope to be in Israel this summer. I hope to go to this place. They actually have it marked. Because the address is given. It's on Straight Street. Right under the gate. Like, this is in the Bible. You can go there today. And be at the place where the thermal ridges scale things fail. I'm going to get a selfie and be like, been there. So good. But it's weird. I think the more obedient we are, sometimes the weirder things get. Where do you get that? The Bible. Number two, it's not logical. It's not logical. Is it logical to go to the arch enemy of all things Christian, Saul, the guy with paperwork in hand, to drag Christians before uh, the Pharisees to have them killed legally? Is it logical to go up to him and be like, hey man, I'd like to pray for you? But that's what God asked him to do. After giving the address, I mean, I felt like it violated. God knows where I am. He just drops my coordinates to anybody. Yeah, he does that. It's not logical. Ananias was on the wrong side of the law. And he was the good guy. Saul was on the right side of the law. But on the wrong side of God. This is not logical. The last thing I want to say to this calling, it's not safe. Christians, we do not serve a safe Savior. And if our God is comfort, you need to recognize that God is a God of, not of Scripture. We serve a God who said, pick up your cross Deny yourself. Follow me. Any man who's not willing to die is not fit for the kingdom. Leave mother and father and houses and lands. This is a God who calls people to very hard things. And right here in the early pages of Scripture, we see him. This calling is dangerous. The most notorious murderer of Christians. He's called to go to his house. Not his house. Let me actually make it this way. He's called to go to Judas's house. Not Judas, the one who, the betrayer. Another Judas. He's called to go to another Judas's house. It's, this is a friend of Saul, not a friend of Paul. This is a friend of Saul. So this is a bad guy. It's not like he's invited to Mr. Rogers' house, okay? He is invited to the bad side of the neighborhood to go to his house and say, hey man, I need to pray for you. So we've got Saul and Judas as far as we know, like these are the most, the baddest guys for early believers, for early Christians. Go to these men who on a good day will chain you up and throw you in prison. And on a bad day, they'll kill you right on the spot. And legally, they have the grounds to do it. That's what God calls them to do. God the Father calls you together, church, to do hard things. You may be reluctant. You may be resistant. You may be hesitant. You may object. You may protest. You may question the appropriateness of all those things you see Ananias do. Look in verse 13 and 14. He says, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done. The people in Jerusalem, he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest any who call on your name. Do you see his apprehension, guys? 
It's okay to have apprehension. It's okay to be reticent. I think it's even okay to question the appropriateness of it. Like, is this right? But at the end of the day, Ananias fears God more than he fears Saul. He fears God. Guys, we need to put aside our fears for the calling God has placed on our life. And we need to stand when others' knees buckle. So this is, I told you, I kind of have a half point. You guys ready for that half point? Yeah? You got to draw a line and put it to the side. By the way, I need you guys to be a little more interactive here with me, okay? Uh, make sure you guys are, I like to keep things a little spicy. Uh, four and a half point here, okay? Is Father God calls and expects his children to answer. Father God calls and expects his children to answer. I mean, Paul here, he awaits the arrival of Ananias. That's an act of obedience. I don't know that he had much of choice, but he does await the arrival. And then when he gets the command of Ananias, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, scales fall from his eyes. It says immediately he began to preach. He didn't mess around. He went straight to it. Ananias, he obeys. God says, I need you to pray for Saul. He kind of gets his questioning out of the way, whatever. But then he goes and he does exactly what God asked him to do. There's trepidation, there's fear, there's all these things, but they proceed anyway. I've already quoted this. Ephesians 4.1 says, I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, Ananias, his call was to pray. And Paul, his call was to preach. They're different. It's okay. They're both necessary. What's the expectation? What's the calling look like for you? I don't know. But the most unhappy Christians I've ever met are the ones that sit on their calling. The expectation is when the Father speaks, the answer is, yes, Lord. It doesn't make sense. I fear you more than I fear them. I want to honor you more than I want to honor them. God, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. You guys get that? Like everything I've got, man, I'm, I'm giving everything I've got. This is a heaven-oriented mission. This is a courageous obedience. But this is an obedience. I will obey. You are the potter. I am the clay. You guys feel that this morning? So my challenge to you together, church, is when God speaks, and I know he's already spoken because he said in his very clear word that he already has called you, you need to live a life worthy of that calling. Step into that calling and be obedient. I just met this morning Mickey. He ran security. He was standing right here. I'm not sure where he is now, but he was right here. Uh, I, met, I met another person there, a school teacher. I'm like, that's great. Praise the Lord. I'm a preacher. Everybody's got a different calling. You just got to do that calling. Does that make sense? And you got to live it out. And you got to give your whole heart to it. This was the four and a half point. Sorry, that was actually my fourth point. This is why I would just, this is kind of the side point, but it's, it's in the text too. One calling actually confirms another. One calling actually confirms another. Just think about this. We have two men. Do they know each other? Do Ananias and do Saul know each other? No. 
They, independent of one another, have these visions. This, like one has this encounter with God, and another has this encounter with God. And I imagine independently from one another, they both think they're pretty weird. I don't know if you guys have ever had an encounter with God, but you don't like to share it with a lot of people because it's just strange. But then they have this encounter together, and then their calling is confirmed. Does that make sense? They have this encounter separately separately but then they come together and it's like everything now makes sense it's like the lights get turned on it's like the oxygen comes back into the room because obedience confirms one's calling clarity and confirmation come through obedience sometimes i think my calling in life is to help somebody else find theirs So my title is I'm the Director of Community Connection and Ministry Mobilization. It's a mouthful, but it's actually the truth. I meet with community leaders, figure out what God's doing in and through their ministry so that I can mobilize my students correctly to serve. Music and camp and nonprofits and all the things that we partner with. Sometimes I think my calling is to help others fulfill theirs. Look at this text, too. I love this. Probably one of my favorite parts of the whole text is in verse 17. How does he address, how does Ananias address Saul? Do you guys see it? How does Ananias address Saul when he first sees him? He says, brother Saul. I don't know if you guys feel the faith in that. Here's the murderer of Christians. And he looks at him and he says, brother. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you see the forgiveness in that? It's like wave after wave of grace. There's like grace and faith. He's not just greeting them as from Jew to Jew because they're both Jews, you know. But he's like, like brother like that. He's like, no, 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 man. I'm welcoming you into the family of God. Like, hey, hey Paul, you're, you're here to get your sight, man. I'm here to get a brother. I'm here to welcome somebody to the family of God. Brother Saul, I love this. It confirms his calling. Yes, this preaching ministry that he's going to give, this praying ministry he's going to have. Yes, all these things. But man, also it's confirming the kingdom of God for these brothers to come together. Do you feel the warmth? Do you feel the kindness? By the way, do you know what Ananias means, that name means? It means God has given. God gave Paul his sight. God gave Ananias a brother. It's beautiful. Fifth point. Look at your neighbor and say, you okay? That was terrible. You okay? You okay? You'll be all right. We're good. Callings change things. Callings change things. Think about how much the Apostle Paul's life has changed. He's got his eyesight back. He was welcomed as a fellow believer He was baptized. He was filled with the Spirit. He was made stronger. He went from persecuting to praying. His life radically changed in one day. Incredible. Think about how much Ananias' life changed. He performed a miracle. That's kind of cool. I don't imagine that. Like, I imagine that would change you. He discipled one of the most famous characters in all the Bible. How would you like that on your resume? Uh, I discipled the Apostle Paul. He did. 
He was the guy stationed there. I discipled the Apostle Paul. By the way, the text doesn't say that he baptized him, but likely he probably was the one who baptized the Apostle Paul. Fed him. Later on, and in, in church history teaches us that Ananias became the first bishop of Damascus. Later on, church history teaches us, not the scripture specifically, but he was a martyr. He died for the faith in Damascus. His whole life changed. He's described in Acts twenty two twelve as a devout observer of the law, highly respected by all the Jews. How much has your life been changed because of the, this book and God's word and, and Christianity, because it was preserved through the teachings of these men? This is incredible. How many countless people have surrendered to the call of God because these men surrendered to the call of God on their life? Millions upon millions. Callings change things. And lastly, callings are for everyone. Guys, if there's a point that I began with, I said, you know, there's two different characters here and and both of them get called. Guys, I want you to think about Ananias just for a moment. Ananias, this Ananias, is only mentioned two times in Scripture. He often gets confused with, well, Ananias and Sapphira, right? The ones who withheld the money and the whole thing and were struck dead. Then there's another Ananias, a person who tried to, like, kill Apostle Paul on his way back to Rome. So the other two Ananiases of the New Testament were bad, but this is the one good one. Is that making sense? He had this, like, very common name. It was one of the most common names in Damascus at that time in history. So he was just an ordinary guy. Just an ordinary guy, man, with a common name. Just an everyday believer. We don't know who led him to the Lord. We don't know. We know virtually nothing about Ananias apart from what this story tells, other than he was the guy when God said, Hey, I need you to go pray for Apostle Paul. He's the guy who listened. I don't know how many God had how many doors God had to knock on before somebody said yes. I don't know. But when God knocked on his door, his answer was yes. And he went and he surrendered. And God uses everybody. If there is a misconception in the American church that I wage war against every single day that I breathe, ministry is for everyone. This is called Together Church. What is that byline? Something on mission. What is it, Robbie? Put him to the test. What's that? We're on mission. We're on mission. It, for too long, it's been the haves and the have-nots. Okay, if you're musical, you can be a part of it. You can play. Hey, man, if you can preach, you can play. Listen, let me tell you right now, we need everybody. If you're a plumber here today, you need to live that life in Jesus' name and live a life worthy of the calling that God has given you. Does that make sense? If you're an electrician here today, you need to have fire in your veins when you wake up. You're advancing the kingdom of God through your vocation. This calling is for everybody. What I love about Ananias is that he was an apostle. He wasn't. He was just a regular guy. There were other apostles. There were 11 other apostles running around. God could have spoke to any of the other 11 and said, hey, I need you to go. We're going to add one to the team. That would actually make sense. But that's not what happened. They said, let's find Rando in Damascus. Just a random believer. We don't know anything about him. Tell him to go. Because it communicates a message. This thing, this gospel is good news for the poor. Amen? 
this good news will go into all the world. It's communicating a message. It's not for the haves and the have-nots. For God so loved the world. This is something I just want to preach to you today. That we are not a special class of Christian. And there is no such thing as a special class of Christian. We are at our very root a lay movement. We are led. God in his infinite wisdom gave the keys of the kingdom to a bunch of non-professionals. And until we understand that, we'll walk around like a peacock. You know, some people can strut even when they sit down. Did you know that? There's so much. But at its very root, Christianity is a lay movement. Ordinary Christians empowered by an extraordinary God to do incredible things in the name of Jesus. And he gets all the glory and we get none of it. And I don't want it because I have life and breath. In him we live and breathe and have our being. It's him who gets the glory. Amen? It's not like Jesus is going to be running up to me in heaven asking for my autograph. I'll be falling at his feet in worship. Amen? Casting down the golden crown. It's not about me, never has been about me, never will be about me. I am so grateful that God has called me. Anyone ever played kickball? Has that ever happened? In grade school, and I'll end with this message. But in grade school, you know, they line you up in gyms just like this, you know. And they say, hey, we're going to play kickball. And they line everybody up and they establish the captains. You guys remember this? And they go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And at the very end, there's like two awkward kids and Joshua Gilmore, you know? <laughs> Last ones to get picked. They're like, well, I guess I'll take Joshua, you know? Come over. <laughs> you, know? you know? God calls. And there's two things that happen. Two things. The first thing is fear. I don't know if I can play. I don't know if I can do this. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And then the other thing happens. The other thing I love so much is, did I just get called? Whew, I, I think I got called. I'm going to play. Do you guys see how the fear and the excitement, they work hand in glove? That's Christianity. Man, I, I, he chose me? Wow, I get to play? This is great. Oh, no, I have to play. I can't play. Christians are together, church. You have been called. Just look at Ananias. We don't know who led him to the Lord. He wasn't an apostle. But he prayed for healing. Saul was healed. He was told to disciple him. He discipled one of the apostles. He was told to feed him. Maybe if you're just a good cook, maybe you could just unleash that gift on the church. He was told to feed him. He said, what's your calling? I make a really good macaroni and cheese. Then do that in Jesus' name. Do it. Put it in the budget. And I call my macaroni and cheese ministry. That's fine. You guys think I'm joking? I'm not joking. He was told to feed him. He did it. And it said it regained his strength so that he could go out and he could preach. 
I think a lot of times when I stand at the door as students are leaving, they say, Joshua, thank you so much for the message. Appreciate the message. High five, all the things. A lot of times what I think they're saying is, I'm so glad I didn't have to preach today. That's what they're really saying. Thanks for, I didn't have to preach today. I didn't have to preach today. I'm so glad you're up there and I'm not up there. They say that public speaking is the number one fear on planet earth. I, I don't feel that. I don't get credit for it. It's just a gift. Is that making sense? So just do you in Jesus' name, whatever that is. It's not if you are called, it's what are you called to do. It's not if, it's what. And once he's identified that calling, whether by messenger or explicitly in his word, or through calling or gift mix, or however God has communicated to you, are you obedient to it? Together, church, have you done it? What act? of faith have you exercised to demonstrate fidelity to Christ in his calling? What have you done? There would be no story recorded in scripture if Ananias would have said, no, that's not for me. It's too hard. Maybe it's the Jamaica mission trip. I saw on your website you guys are going to Jamaica. That's awesome. Maybe it's the youth camp. I saw that on your website. Just signing up now early. They're just doing those kind of things. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's not you teach the small group. Maybe it's you host the small group and you make your killer macaroni and cheese. Does that make sense? Like you open up the door, which you can, like, what is that thing? Like, I'm going to surrender. Maybe it's a correction. Maybe it's a change of plans. Maybe it's an encouragement. I don't know what God's calling you to do, but I assure you, God is calling. And when you get alone with Him, He speaks. The Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. It's not that God has moved. It's that we have moved. So I encourage you guys just close your eyes just for this moment. And I really do encourage you. Through this text and through God's word. To ask the Lord, what are you asking me to do? For some of you, you know right now it's a sin. And you need to confess it before the Lord. Say, God, forgive me. Give me true repentance. Help me turn from this sin. Help me live a life of obedience. For some of you, it's forgiveness. I mean, I sense in my spirit. You are holding a grudge. And God says, forgive just as I have forgiven you. And you're, you just need to forgive. You know, fire off a text message, coordinate a get-together and say, please forgive me. I wasn't completely out of line when I said that. I'm asking for you to forgive me. God is calling. Are we listening? For some of you, you guys have locked yourselves in careers that your parents asked you to do. Or maybe you were chasing the almighty dollar or whatever comfort and God's saying, I called you to a different line of work. And maybe this is the message or it's a turning point. God's saying, after today, I need you moving in the direction that I have called you. There's new mercy and there's new grace for a new season. Just take just a minute and just get quiet with the Lord. Now shut up. And just talk to him about these things.
God, it's not by power or might, but it's by your spirit, says the Lord. So God, we ask these callings be confirmed today through messengers, through the written word of God, supernaturally if need be, whatever it takes, God, to help us live a life worthy of this calling that we have received. We ask this for the sake of your glory, God, for the advancement of Together Church in this Charleston area. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.